that. In Luke 14, verse 25, now, how, now great multitudes went with him. Um, and he turned and said to them, so he's got a crowd following him. Um, and he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his mother and father, wife and children, brother and sisters, yes, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciples. Everybody say, ouch. It's ouch, yeah, it's him. <laughs> whoever does not, and whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciples. Which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all you see, uh, so all you see it begin, all who, who see it begin to mock him, sorry, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, does not sit down first and consider whatever he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has, he cannot be my disciples. Interesting passage of scripture, interesting words of Jesus. Don't forget YPs, all the young people. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> He's back there doing the star cross, trying to get my 10. All the 12 and 13 year olds. Brilliant. Thank you. Sorry about that. Did I forget anything else? No, we're good. So Jesus, in this instance, has got a crowd following him. There's a lot of times crowd follows, follows Jesus. You can read it throughout the Gospels, uh, the, the first four books of the New Testament. There's crowds would follow Jesus. Now, I want to say it's great to follow Jesus. Would you agree? Uh, it's, one of the, it's, it's a great thing. Being a follower of Jesus is a life-changing experience. Following Jesus is a life-changing experience. So it's good. So it's, it's a great idea to follow Jesus. What's a bad idea is just to be one of the crowd. And there were lots of crowds that just followed Jesus. Uh, but they always just, you know, and while they were, uh, you know, following, it would be difficult to say that they were actually followers. Because there's a difference. Um, this week, I, uh, last Saturday, I, uh, was in, I went down on Australia Day on the Saturday morning to Tenham, and I, there was a fun run, so I participated in that fun run. And little did I know that coming back over the finish line, there was a photographer who took pictures of everybody who was finishing. And, and, um, and above your head as you crossed the finish line was the time that you, you ran for that five kilometers. And so I discovered on the Facebook page of uh, the... Runners Club, that they had all these pictures, and I thought, I wonder if mine's in there, and I scrolled through the pictures on Facebook, and there was my picture coming over the, over the uh, uh, finishing line, and so I thought, gee, that's a good picture, that's, you know, I've I, I done a reasonable time, I need to save that into my photos, so that, you know, when I'm old and decrepit, I can remember the day that I, you know, <laughs> when I, <laughs> I remember the day that I run okay, you know, I did okay. Um, and so I saved it to my photos, but I didn't know what else I did, is I actually posted it to my Facebook page. <laughs> now, I don't know how that happens, but somehow I've pressed the button of share as well. And so through this week, I've had 62 people <laughs> respond saying, oh, well done, that's exciting, or like it. 
And I've like had no intention of posting anything to my Facebook page. To be honest, I've never posted to my Facebook page. If you go on my Facebook page, every picture of me or anything else is other people putting it there. Do you understand? I don't post to Facebook. I do say happy birthday to a lot of people. And that's what I use it for, just to find out what you guys are all up to. Um, it's great, pastoral care. Um, I know where you are. I know where you're on holidays. I know when you're overseas. I know what bad day you're having. I know everything about you. And I don't have to leave my office. It's amazing. But I don't post, so you don't know what I'm doing, do you? Except this Saturday. It, now, if, it's okay. You don't have to go on there and like it. Or you, you know what I mean by like it? You know, press the button. Some of us don't understand that. That's okay. It's just when you press a button and you go, oh, I like that. Or, you know, you comment on it, you know. So thank you for all those who commented on my race. I'd just like to draw to your attention this thought. I don't think the 62 people who commented or liked it are actually waiting on the edge of their seat for me to post again. I don't think they're waiting for me, excited. Wait, I've got to get the next post from Pastor James. I've just got to see him. I don't think you're doing that. And so in that context, the Facebook says you're, a follow, you're, you're following me. But the reality is, you're not my follower. Now, as a pastor, maybe there's some sense of reality and truth about that. Uh, you know, I'm a shepherd of the sheep kind of thing. But the truth is, you don't, you know, we all look at other people's pictures and, and we go, oh, like that. But we're not followers, but we do follow people on Facebook. And you know, the reality is, as we look at what Jesus was uh, talking about here, um, you know, uh, Facebook has followers, Jesus has followers. He has people, you know, this day in the crowd, Jesus had people following, but they weren't followers. And you know, um, it's just like Facebook, we all follow someone, we're not really followers. And there's a difference, isn't there? Because you can be part of the crowd and just following, or you can be people who are seriously true disciples of Christ and, and be followers of Christ. And there's a difference, isn't there? There's a real difference. And, you know, um, because in the same way that it's just as easy to push a button on our phone and say, I like that, or, you know, I'm, a, I'm following that, it's the same way people, maybe like with Jesus, they can, they can say, well, you know, I, I kind of I kinda like him, and, you know, I kind of follow him, and, uh, but, you know, I don't follow it, but becoming a follower, well, that's another level I'm not quite sure of. And that's what Jesus is addressing right here with this crowd. Because they were following, but they weren't followers. But, there were, you know, I can't say everybody's heart was like that, but there was various reasons for their following of Jesus because, let's face it, Jesus was a pretty cool character to be around sometimes. I mean, he could take a boy's lunch and he could feed a stadium of people. I mean, a free feed? Who isn't up for that? And then, you know, dead people around Jesus didn't remain dead for very long sometimes. He kind of raised them up from the dead. I mean, who wouldn't want to see that? So no wonder Jesus had crowds following him because they were interested in what he did, but not necessarily who he was. You know, it's the difference between being following and being a follower. I might just post another picture and see who becomes a real follower of me, but... Uh, so, so we see Jesus opens his mouth, um, and this is what he says. He says very sobering um, sentences, doesn't he? He says, you know what? 
You need to hate your own mother and father, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and even your own life. And here's the kicker. And if you don't, you cannot be my disciple. Whoa. That's a strong statement, isn't it? That, that's an emotional statement. It's just not, and this was, just wasn't any random people he's talking about, Jesus is talking about here. No, it's not just like some long-lost cousin that you've only ever met once. No, this is the immediate family that you interact with, maybe on a daily basis. He's, he's talking about them, and that's what the ones he's nailing here. Jesus is saying something has got to change in your relationship with them if you're truly going to have a, become a follower of me. Now, just hang in there because we're going somewhere here. See, hate is a very strong word, isn't it? Um, and to express hate conjures up sometimes all types of emotions. I, 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 um, there's the things I hate. I, I hate injustice. Um, I hate to see children suffer. Um, I, I remember as a nine-year-old, I hated pumpkin. Um, I don't know if you ever had that experience. If, you know, when I was nine, I thought that there was only one type of pumpkin. It was that bitter pumpkin that you had to eat. You ever tasted pumpkin that's bitter? Well, that's all I... Th- I had parents who just... That's all they bought. I've since discovered there's actually a thing called sweet pumpkin. And it's really nice and I like it. But as a nine-year-old, I was made to sit at the table and eat everything on my plate. And guess what I left to last? Pumpkin. I hated it. You know why I hated it? Because, because even, even sometimes my parents would say to me, you're not going to leave the table until you ate the, eat that pumpkin. And so I'd sit there and they'd kind of wash up and I'd still sit there stubborn, not say anything. And then they'd walk out of the room and, 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 uh, and one night they walked out of the room and then they'd come back and flick the light off and I'm sitting there in the dark and I, st- and I hate pumpkins. So I have actually now, in this stage of my life, actually been healed from that emotional trauma that... <laughs> That whole situation created for me of hating pumpkin. I now like pumpkin, and I've discovered there's more than one type of pumpkin. It's really quite sweet, some pumpkin. Praise God. But, you know, hate is a very strong word, and I hated pumpkin for a season. It caused incredible emotional trauma, but I'm right. So, what's your hate? (laughs) It does stir up emotions, doesn't it? And Jesus is saying very clearly here, very interesting, he says, all the things you love... And all the things that matter to you and the things that are dearest to you, need to, you need to hate. And he didn't make it easier, any easier when he says, if you don't give them up everything, you can't be my disciple. Why would the translators translate the original Greek word and translate it into English word of hate? Because for us, in this culture, hate is very, very, um, uh, it is very um, what's the word? It's, it's, it's quite, quite confronting isn't it to say that kind of statement in the bible and jesus said it so when they're translating this word from the original greek the bible translators didn't want to lose the reason they did is they didn't want to lose the passion of what jesus was talking about when in the motive of what jesus was saying they wanted to use an english word that would stir up passion in the reader to realize jesus was very serious and passionate in regard to being a true disciple of himself he was very serious when he declared this. Because he had a crowd. They just wanted to follow all the time, just for what he could do and not for what he was. Just be following and not true followers. So Jesus turns to the crowd and he says, You people are following me, but you're not true to followers. You love what I do, but you're not true followers. So they use the word hate to express how important being a true disciple means to Jesus. So when Jesus says this word hate, The translators from the Greek wanted to translate the passion and the motive of Jesus. So they used hate. But can I just 
give you another word that they didn't put in, that they could have translated it into, which is equally, exactly much what Jesus was saying, but it doesn't so much express the passion of what Jesus Christ was saying. And the word is loveless. And for our culture, we could probably grasp that a little bit better. Oh, that's okay, loveless. But let us not lose the passion of, and, and, and the, the importance of what Christ is saying about you becoming true disciple of Christ. He's saying, if you want to be a follower of mine, then to be that follower, you can't have something in your life that you love more than me. He, he's saying, you need to love me most. And, and, you know, as I think about it, you can't have a relationship that matters more than me, he's saying. You can't, have a, you can't have a possession that you find more valuable than me. You can't have an applause that you live for more than me, hey? You can't have a position or title that you aspire to more than the title of true disciple. You, that's what he's really saying. He, he's, Jesus is saying we must think about what matters most to us and we have to make it less loved when it comes to Jesus. Now that feels a little bit better now, doesn't it? I was, um, before I was married, I had, I had a, a group of mates that we used to do fishing with. And I lived in Gladstone and, and we'd go, um, you know, play sport together. And on a Friday afternoon, um, not every Friday, but some Fridays, we'd go to the one place in Gladstone for a meal that was open at those times in those days, because this is quite a while ago. And the one place that used to just pay once and eat as much as you like. Now, to a bunch of young guys, that was like a flag to a red bull. We were there Friday evenings, and it was the Pizza Hut. Who remembers the Pizza Hut when it was really good? You'd go in there, pay you 15 bucks. I don't know how much you pay, I've forgotten. And you'd eat as much pizza and as much ice, soft serve ice cream and as much apple pie. It was incredible. And us guys would meet there on Fridays and we'd sit around the table and we'd discuss boys' stuff. And we'd discuss what we did. We'd all laugh, you know, we'd you know, burp and carry on what boys do and make fun of each other. We had a great time. And then one day it happened, a boy said, did you notice the girls in church? And we said, none of that here. We talk about boys' stuff. It's just a boys gang. You don't talk about, but the next Friday, the subject came up again because there was a whole bunch of young ladies who are dental therapists had moved into this church. And, uh, and it came up again, and we just, you know, and, I, and we said, you know, don't talk about girls. This is boys only stuff here. But invariably, we talked about girls again and again, and it became oh, unbearable. And then it happened. One Friday, a boy didn't turn up. We found out he was with a girl. And then the next Friday, there was another boy didn't turn up. And we found out he was with a girl. And so I owned up to it. <laughs> and it happened. Um, I discovered that if I wanted to develop any kind of relationship with a girl, and believe me, in those early days, I didn't talk to girls. They were foreign animals. Not animals, but you know, <laughs> foreign, foreign people. My, forgive my, it was only a figure of speech. I would have to actually, excuse me, I'm trying to share here. Just calm down. Um, I found out that I actually had to talk with her, and that meant missing some of the boys the boy times. It was an unsettling time for the brotherhood. 
as more of the boys started to spend time with girls, and some of us even got married. While it was a difficult transition, we all came to understand that for a relationship to be established between a man and a woman, that they have to transition from the boys to the girl. I know. And at the end of the day, that relationship of marriage is not going to go last very long, ladies, and unless the lady matters more than the boys. Is, is that right, all those who are married? Doesn't mean we can't be with the boys sometimes, but, you know, uh, what's that? Friday nights? Well, yes, you can go to Malcolm's Life Group. <laughs> the boys will meet. Oh, and you don't talk girl stuff? Oh. So... The reality is, my point is, in this, in this verse, we aren't just talking about any love or any relationship with just any girl or any guy. We're talking about the real relationship with the God the Father, the creator of all heaven and earth. And, and, the, and the point is, is that, you know, the relationship with his son is the pinnacle of all relationships. And then, and then and we've got to find, we've got to discover, and what I discovered is that the reality is, is I had to love less the boys. Doesn't mean I hated the boys or I had to put them aside. It's just I had to love less and I had to love my wife more. I had to make a transition. And you know, as Christians, if we want to go from being follow, just following to be followers, you've got to make a transition. You've got to love less what is in this world. And you've got to love most him. Because we can live a life of, of, of self-deception sometimes and say, well, you know, I do love him, but you know, we, when crunch comes to it, we just indulge and love these certain things. And, and you know, Jesus just takes that back seat for a little moment. And, and, and it's important. See, Jesus wants relationship with us so that we can wake up every day with great purpose. He wants us to put him most, love him most, because, so we can know sin forgiven, so we can know that we have access to the King of Kings, so we can live our lives truly, rise above the crowd of mediocrity and addictions of this world, and that we can do something great with the life that God has given to us. And he knows it all comes out of when we love him most. See, in the passionate language that God, well, that Jesus uses in Luke chapter 14, it's just simply a reflection of him wanting us to be passionate about him because if we start to doubt what that he is what he is then we can start when we feel the challenges of the christian life we can that seem to bring that seem to come our way to the extreme for us and we can find it much easier to bail out of our relationship with jesus christ if we haven't locked into making him love more and everything love less because we'll find it just too difficult when the christian life in confront some of the extremes, some of the problems, some of the challenges of the Christian life. Jesus actually said you're going to have challenges as Christians, but he says there's no reason for you to love me less in those challenges. There's actually a reason to love me more because I want to be with you through those difficult times. And if we have no ability to love him more, we'll, we'll, we'll bail out on the relationship. I, you know, when Michelle and I had our first misunderstanding, we don't have many, but we might have a few, I didn't say, well, that's it, Michelle. If you're not going to do it my way, I'm out of here. Well, I haven't said that yet. And she hasn't said that to me. And, and so there's obviously come an understanding that we're committed to this and we're going to love each other more than 
then not that we're gonna, you know, we're gonna love each other more than probably other things in our lives, and realize that's the. I'm gonna love Michelle more than my personal opinion and my personal having to be right. So you know, with God, that's what we gotta humble ourselves and say, God, love you most, love other things less than you. It doesn't mean that you don't love some things; it's that you love it less. That's what Jesus is saying. And this passionate language that Jesus uses and the Bible translators left in there and said, hate, is really talking about this whole principle of being a true disciple. See, your relationship with Christ never is going to work if you have many competing things. Now, I'm not saying we haven't got other things to do, but just don't let them compete with the reality of your relationship with Christ. Um, don't let it become one of 14 competing priorities of your life, and then you'll always make an excuse to not find time for a relationship with him or read his word or just talk to him about life. See, God wants salvation for every person. It's available for everyone. It comes by faith. In actual fact, salvation is free, but discipleship, it'll cost you the rest of your life. And that's what Jesus is saying to this crowd. He's walking along. He's got hundreds behind him. He turns around. He says, let's really see who's the true followers here. Love less those key relationships in your life. I don't know, maybe three quarters of them said, I'll see you later. You see, there is a love that God hates, and that's the love that places anything above him. Not because God is insecure and wants, to, wants you to adore him because he needs it. God doesn't need it, our love, but... No, he wants your undivided attention because of what he adds to your life account. What he gives to you. He adds purpose to every day. He adds joy to the most difficult circumstances. He adds patience to the day when nothing goes right. It adds hope when it seems there is no possible way forward. This relationship not only has benefits for this life, but has eternal benefits as well for heaven. See, this is the thing. He, he does it, it adds to our account to love him more and love other things less. It adds to our life. I love that. You see, can I have the musicians this morning come up? He just wants you to realize that a love for things or a love of loving others above him will never fulfill your life and actually can lead to a destructive life. It can lead to a destructive life. And I love this thought, and this is what I wrote even this morning. The truth is that God doesn't want you to hate your family. In actual fact, when you place him first, you'll find that your love for your family, because of your love for God in your heart, becomes greater for other people. Did you realize that? And you don't end up loving them any less. You end up loving them more. It's just that you continue to love God even more than that. Because you put him first, he gives you a love for others. And that love gets tested sometimes with family, doesn't it? And that caring and that support. So here's my question this morning. What do you need to love less? That's it. If you walk out of here with nothing else this morning, what do you need to love less than God? Because he calls us into true discipleship. True followers, not just following, but followers of him. In 2019, if we dive off into this year, now it's the first weekend of February. It, I'm, I'm not going to be able to say that very much longer because <laughs> it, it is the year, isn't it? We're in the year already. He, he would just call you and he would encourage you to be true, to, true followers, not just following, 
and, and, and in that decision, it's, 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 he wants to wean you. And some of the situations and problems we face, sometimes can be, God can use. He doesn't want to bring them upon us, but he can use to wean us off our selfishness and wean us off our own self-gratification and place our full love onto him and the challenges we face. Because he knows when we place our full love and our most love onto him, our life has a tendency then to straighten out and go so much better because we get the priority right. And he can then put his fingers upon us like, like a lump of clay, it says in Jeremiah we are. And he'll mold us into a wonderful shape that is just good for his glory and his honor. But until we yield, until we humble ourselves and yield to him our lives, that'll never happen. And we'll continue to strive and go after this and go after that. And it'll never fulfill us, but Christ does. So could we stand this morning? Is that cool? How you going? You okay? I'm just glad that Jesus Christ, and Ben shared so well this morning around communion, but I'm just glad Jesus said, you know what? I'm going to love them most. I love my Heavenly Father most, but I'm going to love these people. I'm not going to love them, you know, I'm... I'm going to love him. And he loved us and he went to the cross. And anything less than his love for us wouldn't have allowed him to go through what he went through for us. The suffering and the pain and the agony. And not just physical, but emotional rejection and everything he went through. Can we close our eyes this morning just for a moment? Can I ask you a question today? And the, que- and the question is, is... The, what do you need? To, do you need to put Jesus Christ first in your life in the sense of coming to him and receiving him as your personal Lord and your personal Savior? Because maybe there's other things in the world that at the moment that take your attention and crowd you out and they're your Lord in a sense because they rule you. But today, if you're here and for, maybe for the very first time, say yes to Jesus Christ and say, yeah, I need to put him first in my life. I'm not talking about people who've done this before. I'm talking about you've never actually prayed a prayer of response or commitment to Jesus. I'd love to pray with you this morning that prayer. And, you know, maybe today there's some of us who've actually um, have done that before, but we know we've kind of walked away and, and we've taken over the steering wheel of our life and we've kind of put Christ in the trunk. He's just a spare wheel. And we need to come back and say yes to Jesus this morning. And I, I, I just want to say he wants you more than sometimes we want him. He just wants you because he knows he can do the best with you. So today, if you're here and you've never received Jesus Christ, never prayed a prayer, I'd, I'd love to just pray we, where we are today. I'd love you to raise your hand. If you know to do it again, I'd love you just to raise your hand and I'd see the hand you can put it down and we're just going to pray. But behind your hand is your heart. Is there anybody this morning needs to say yes to Jesus? Anybody? We're doing well? One person, thank you. Anybody else this morning? You can leave it till I see it. No, no one. Okay. What about people today that just say, hey, Father, um, it's not like you're a bad person, folks. To be honest, I go through the week sometimes and I realize, oh, gee, I'm just getting a little bit, I'm just putting a lot of priority on that at the moment. I just need to realize what needs to be put first. (laughs) And I have to check myself all the time. That's what disciples means. It means a pupil. It means a growing, a person who's learning. And there's not one of us here today that aren't learning how to be better people for Christ. 
But today, specifically, if you're just saying, Father, just Holy Spirit, come right now upon my life and help me to be that person that would love the things in my life that aren't bad, but just love them less. Sometimes it's about loving, um, you know, sometimes we cherish our grudges or we cherish our attitudes, so we need to give up. <laughs> we, we, we don't think we'd love them more than Christ, but when it comes to it, we really do hold on to some, maybe some things you just need to say, Father, it's yours today. Situations need to be. So I'm going to pray in a minute uh, um, for a precious person who put their hand up, and we're going to pray together and pray a prayer of commitment. But church, then I want, is there anybody here today just would just lift their hand between you and God and say, yep, I just got to make sure I surrender that to God. I just need to love less those things. Just, just, yep, I see that, I see that, I see the hands, yep, great. So we're going to pray, uh, and my prayer is no more powerful than yours, but we're going to pray because God says, asking you to receive. So can we just pray a prayer of commitment for our precious person who just put their hand up this morning and say yes to Jesus? Okay, let's do that together. Repeat it, and then afterwards, I'm just going to pray for the church. So, Heavenly Father, I come to you today just as I am. And I thank you that you receive me. I haven't got it all together, but I thank you, God, that your mercy is towards me. And I ask you to forgive me for my sin and my failure. I receive and I confess Jesus Christ into my life. And I thank you that you receive me and you accept me in Jesus' name. So right now, I'm your child. Amen. Father, today I thank you for every person here. Lord, what would, what would it really be if we never transformed? We'd be less of the people you want us to be. But continue to transform us, Father. Today, let this not just be information, but let Holy Spirit, you transform us. As we surrender today, those things that we've probably loved more than you. And sometimes I understand, God, it's been we've been tricked into that. But help us today to take full responsibility for ourselves and our lives and not allow those things to encroach upon our love for you most. And help us to put you there, Father. Because the world will never satisfy, Lord. My money, the applause, the things, the titles, the, the, even the relationships will never satisfy. As long as they're first in my life. It's always going to be you that I need to place there. So today we do that. And I pray you'll help us as pupils, as disciples of Christ, to continually yield to you. Not, not just today, but tomorrow when we wake up for work and school and everything, and the next day and the next day after that. And when everything's going really well, Lord, help us not to forget you. And then when everything's going really bad, help us not to forget you. Father, we need you. And we thank you today for your presence, and we give you all the honor and all the praise. And everyone agreed, said... Amen. How about we just worship just one song before we close this morning? Mm. Strengthen to these weary bonds. We 